It says, Now Saul spoke to Jonathan, his son, and to all the servants, that they should kill David. But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted greatly in David. So Jonathan told David, saying, My father Saul seeks to kill you. Therefore, please be on your guard until morning and stay in a secret place and hide. Every creature's unique in a song that it sings, all exclaiming, indescribable, uncontainable. You place the stars in the sky and you know them by name. You are amazing, God. All powerful, untamable, awestruck with. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. God had made a wonderful bond of friendship between Jonathan and David, and God sealed it by a covenant. We see today that King Saul ordered his servants and his son to kill David, which created a very difficult situation for Jonathan. King Saul was enraged when he discovered that Jonathan told David about his plan, but regardless of his father's anger, Jonathan knew he did the right thing by not doing something that was clearly disobedient to God. What counts the most always in our relationship with the Lord is our obedience to his word. Now let's join Pastor Rob in 1 Samuel chapter 19. Well, this evening, let's go ahead and open up our Bibles to chapter 19 of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel. If you recall, last week, we looked at chapter 18 and we saw the the budding relationship between Jonathan and who was really the heir apparent to the throne uh, after his father, Saul, uh, would leave the throne. But God had a different plan, of course. We know that uh, David was to be the second king of Israel, and it would be through the line of Judah, not through the line of Benjamin, as was the line of Saul. But we see this relationship between Jonathan and David really blossoming, and it's a very unique relationship. And uh, we see Jonathan making a covenant with David, who he loved as his own soul. And we also find out, and this was right on the heels of the great victory that David had with Goliath. And so Goliath was this, you know, great obstacle in the lives of the children of Israel. And David was the one who went out and slew Goliath and became a national hero really overnight. And so Everyone, including the king, everyone was excited. Uh, Everybody, all the women especially, would come out of the cities and they would talk about uh, Saul's ten thousands and and, and talk about about Saul's thousands that he had slain. But they would really ratchet it up and talk about David's tens of thousands. and, And of course, this makes the king very bitter and very jealous against David. And... We also find out that the Holy Spirit of God left Saul, and God sent a distressing spirit, an evil spirit. He allowed an evil spirit to 
infiltrate uh, Saul. And as a result of this, David became a, 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 an item on Saul's trophy list. Saul wanted to get rid of David. He was very jealous of him. And we know that part of the deal, if you recall, when Goliath was coming out to the field, one of the the blessings, one of the things that was going to be given to the man who could slay Goliath would would be certainly that his family would be able to um, not have to pay taxes any, any longer, but it would also mean that Saul's daughter would be given to him, and plus he would be very wealthy. And so we know that Saul did a, 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 a very tricky thing, and instead of giving David his, wife, his daughter, as he had promised, he does a switcheroo on him, and instead of giving him Merab, who was his oldest daughter, he ends up giving Merab to somebody else when she was supposed to go to David. And so we can already see David, or excuse me, we can already see Saul, not only not a faithful man, but a man who was just governed by the flesh, governed by jealousy and hatred. And jealousy and hatred makes people do strange things. Left unchecked, it's like a cancer within the bones, and it just eats at you from the center. And that's exactly what happened. And so the bottom line is, uh, Merab was given to some other man. And so Saul, in order to gain advantage over David, he says, I'll give you my second daughter, Michal, I'll give you to her, but I want you to go out to the battlefield. And because uh, by this time, Saul had made David the general of his armies. And he says, instead of you paying a bride price for Michal, which he shouldn't have had to pay anyway, right? Saul wanted him to go out and kill a hundred Philistines and bring back their foreskins as a, as a, as a token And Saul's desire was really just to see David killed in battle. And so he would often enlist him and just put him out there and put him out there on these campaigns, hoping that the Philistines would kill him and so that he wouldn't have to do it, which is um, just exposes Saul's hypocrisy, his hatred. And of course, David does valiantly. He does great. He goes out and he, him and the armies, the armies at this time are, are, they look at David as their hero. And naturally so, he was full of faith. He was a great warrior. Someone they could look up to, unlike Saul, who by this time is really a deposed leader. And so David not only goes out and gets those hundred foreskins, he goes out and gets 200 and brings them back. And David's heart was always in such a place where he just wanted to delight the king. He wanted to do above and beyond, which is really a remarkable thing in any person when they're asked to do one thing and they actually go above and beyond the call of duty. And that was the heart of David. David was, he, he, his heart was not to show Saul up. By this time, David had already been anointed king in front of his family, in front of the people in his hometown, and certainly news was getting out or had gone out. But David wasn't eager to usurp the throne. He was going to wait on God, and that requires a, a, a great character to wait upon God instead of taking matters into your own hands which David very well could have done. In fact, the Lord gave him opportunity a couple times, we'll see as we go through the life of David. He gave him an opportunity a couple times to kill Saul, but he would not put his hand against the Lord's anointed. And yet, here we see Saul so willing to put to death a very great servant of his, a servant who was exceptional in all that he did. He never spoke evil of the king at all. His heart was to bless 
and he was gifted, and God's spirit was upon him, which was the most important ingredient, by the way. And it says that Saul became even more afraid of David. And so it picks us up in chapter 19. Let's read through the chapter. It's not really that long, and then we'll go back and look at it. It says, Now Saul spoke to Jonathan, his son, and to all the servants, that they should kill David. But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted greatly in David. So Jonathan told David, saying, My father Saul seeks to kill you. Therefore, please be on your guard until morning and stay in a secret place and hide. And I will go out and stand beside my father in the field where you are, and I will speak with my father about you, that then what I observe I will tell you. And thus Jonathan spake well of David to Saul his father and said to him, let not, the, let not the king sin against his servant, against David, because he has not sinned against you, and because his works have been very good toward you. For he, has, for he took his life in his hands and killed the Philistine, obviously speaking of Goliath. And the Lord brought about a great deliverance for all Israel. You saw it, Dad, and you rejoiced. Why then will you sin against innocent blood to kill David without a cause? And so Saul heeded the voice of Jonathan. And Saul swore, as the Lord lives, he shall not be killed. You might want to underline that phrase. Then Jonathan called David, and Jonathan told him all these things. And so Jonathan brought David to Saul, and he was in his presence as in times past. We know that back in verse 11 of chapter 18, that while he was playing his lyre or his harp before Saul, when the distressing spirit came upon him, that Saul threw the javelin at him and nearly got him, but David escaped. So you'd think after that, I think I'd be looking, standing in the unemployment line at that point. And so, verse 8, back in chapter 19, it says, And so there was war again, and David went out and fought with the Philistines, and notice, and struck them with a mighty blow, and they fled from him. Now the distressing spirit from the Lord came upon Saul as he sat in his house with his spear in his hand. And David was playing music with his hand. And then Saul sought to pin David to the wall with the spear, but he slipped away from Saul's presence, and he drove the spear into the wall, So David fled and escaped that night. Saul also sent messengers to David's house to watch him and to kill him in the morning. And Michal, David's wife, told him, saying, If you do not save your life tonight, tomorrow you will be killed. So Michal let David down through a window, and he went and fled and escaped. And Michal took an image, a teraphim actually, and laid it in the bed, put a cover of goat's hair for his head, and covered it with clothes, So when Saul sent messengers to take David, she said, he is sick. And then Saul sent the messengers back to see David, saying, bring him up to me in the bed that I may kill him. Sounds like a great (laughs) father-in-law. And when the, verse 16, and when the messengers had come in, there was the image in the bed with a cover of goat's hair for his head. And then Saul said to Michal, why have you deceived me like this and sent my enemy away so that he has escaped? And Michal answered Saul, her father. He said to me, let me go. Why should I kill you? So David fled and escaped and went to Samuel at Ramah and told him all that Saul had done to him. And he and Samuel went and stayed at Naoth. Now it was told Saul, saying, take note, David is at Naoth in Ramah. And then Saul sent messengers to take David. And when they saw the group of the prophets prophesying and Samuel standing as leader over them, the Spirit of God came upon the messengers of Saul. And they also prophesied. And when Saul was told, he sent another 
other messengers, and they prophesied likewise. And then Saul sent messengers again the third time, and they prophesied also. Then he also, Saul, went to Ramah and came to the great well that is at Sechu. So he asked and said, Where are Samuel and David? And someone said, Indeed, they are at Naoth and Ramah. So he went there to Naoth and Ramah, and then the Spirit of God, notice, was upon him also. And he went on and prophesied until he came to Naoth and Ramah. And he also stripped off his clothes and prophesied before Samuel in like manner and lay down naked all that day and all that night. Therefore, they say, is Saul among the prophets. A very interesting uh, chapter. And it's interesting that... um, It's interesting to see these three men in this chapter. You know, when we look at Jonathan, he was heir to the throne, and yet he was very selfless, knowing that ultimately the throne would go to David. You know, Jonathan wasn't hungry for power at all. He knew that 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 throne belonged to David. And remember, he gave him his his cloak and his sword and his his belt. He gave him everything as a sign of honor to David. Basically, I want to be your servant, David, I'm giving you my right to the throne. I'm abdicating it to you, which it was going to happen anyway, because that was God's will. But this is Jonathan. And what about Saul? You know, even though he was oppressed by an evil spirit, we see him at times being reasonable. Times, moments in time where he had clarity, where he came into his right mind. Very interesting. And then we see David. So even though he slew Goliath, who was a greater foe, David was still afraid of Saul in his demonized state as the evil spirit would come upon him. They say that an enemy without is sometimes easier to deal with than an enemy within. And that's certainly true. Saul was a, or Sam, I'm sorry, Goliath was an enemy outside Israel. And David defeated him. But it's hard to stand before someone and have an enemy within your own camp. An enemy within your own house. Think of it that way. It's much easier to have an enemy outside where you defeat him and then you go home and you got your safe haven there. But it's even more difficult when you've got an enemy that's within And while they seem to be kind and nice to you, war is in their heart. And they're always seeking to find an opportunity to slay you, to kill you. Now, many of us don't have family members like that, but sometimes you have family members that don't really have your interests, your best interests. They're not looking out for you at all. They want to catch you in something that you said. They want to use it against you. Do you have any family members like that? Jesus said the enemies of a man will be those of his own household. And it's true. Those are the ones that hurt the most. An enemy that can be seen and is uh, outside of your home or outside of your company, in a sense, you can see them, you can take care of them, but an enemy that you can't see sometimes is the worst. And sometimes those are people within our own homes. But the thing I love about this chapter is uh, it's been said, that, and I believe this, that a child of God is invincible until God's call on his or her life is completed. In other words, you are invincible 
while God has a plan for your life. David knew that God had a plan for him. And so the Lord was going to keep him. And he's going to keep you too. You may not have received a, a message from the Lord like David did as far as your, your, your kingdom yet coming. But God has made precious promises to some of you. And, and, and just be patient and wait upon the Lord. The waiting is the most difficult thing. That's really where our, our faith is tested, isn't it? It's really where our heart is gauged when we have to wait. Because we don't like to wait. Anybody here like to wait? None of us like to wait. Let's go back to verse 1. It says that, Now Saul spoke to Jonathan his son and to all his servants that they should kill David. But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted greatly in David. You know, there's a, a, a verse that says, you know, uh, a friend loves at all times. And, and that was really the heart of, of Jonathan toward toward David. And here we see Saul just becoming completely unhinged. And all he wants to do is destroy. There's no longer, he's no longer hiding his rancor. He just wants to destroy. And he just wanted David dead. And you know, history, unfortunately, is littered with these kinds of things where there's a a leader and somebody close to them is just really jealous of them. You see it in churches. You see it in Fortune 500 companies where the guy on top has somebody, maybe a subordinate under him that he's, you know, working with and he's relying upon, and that, that, that employee, that number two in command, is really seeking to depose the guy on top to take his place. It, it, it happens everywhere, no matter what. One commentator actually had this comment, and he said, Sin resembles a quicksand. If a man continues to play along its edges, he is in danger of sinking into oblivion. Isn't that true? If you play in quicksand, you're going to, get, you're going to end up falling into it yourself. And we're going to see that happening with Saul. Notice verse 2, it says, So Jonathan told David, saying, My father Saul seeks to kill you. Therefore, please be on your guard until morning and stay in a secret place. Notice, stay in a secret place. And hide. And by telling David the king's plans, do you understand that Jonathan was really putting his own life on the line? Because really what he is is a mole. And a king cannot have a mole in his administration, in his kingdom. He can't tell his enemy what's coming next. To do so would carry the death penalty. And Jonathan knew very well what he was doing. He was looking at his own blood, his own dad, and saying, Dad, you've become completely outside of your mind. I, I, you know, I, I don't even know who you are anymore. And remember, Jonathan was a man of like passion like David, a man of faith, a man of courage, a man of moral values. He was an exemplary young man. John chapter 15, verse 13 says, Greater love has no man than this, than that he lay down his life for one's life for his friends. And certainly Jonathan did that, and David did that. They were one. We will see. Well, look at, look at the, the end of chapter, or verse 2, excuse me, where it says, Stay in a secret place and hide there. And, and David. He knew of a secret place. 
Do you have a secret place? Do you know that a secret place is a person? It doesn't necessarily have to be a, a location, so to speak. It's, it's a person that you go to. Turn with me to Psalm 91. Psalm 91. We're, we're going to read the whole thing. Because as we read it, we're going to see David. We're going to see some of the situations that David's going to be getting into. And this psalm will mean a lot. Notice what it says. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. It speaks of protection and comfort. And I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him I will trust. Notice, He's not trusting in anything else but the Lord's covering. Surely He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day. And as David would continue in his life, he's going to be under these kinds of situations. For about 15 years, he's going to be running from Saul, hiding in, in caves and hiding behind rocks and eluding this madman on the throne. Verse 6, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. Notice, a thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling for he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra. The young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot, because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. And see, this is the relationship that God, or that David had with the Lord himself. That's why God could say, he's a man after my own heart. David set his love and his affection upon the on the Lord. He learned that out in the in the fields when he was a shepherd boy. God preparing him out there. And notice in verse 14, I will set him on high because he has known my name. Verse 15, he shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. And so it is with David. This psalm is going to mean a great deal to you as you read these things that we're embarking on now. Even in Psalm 23, verse 4, you know this. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, what did he say? I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. David, very comfortable with a rod and staff. And he's saying, Lord, your rod and your staff, you are the one who comforts me. You're the one who takes care of me. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, notice, not death itself, just the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. So let me ask you, where is your secret place? Who is your secret place? Pray that you find that it's the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 1 Samuel. 
Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.